The Miami Hurricanes still haven't promoted Demarcus Van Dyke. Are we going to lose him? You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So what's going on with Demarcus Van Dyke? He has, uh, as of the past 24 hours, if not less than that, because I was recently on his Twitter bio, he removed Canes football from his Twitter bio, uh, even during the time last season when Demarcus Van Dyke was an off-field analyst, not an on-field coach, he still had defensive backs coach at the University of Miami in his Twitter bio. He has taken any mention of Miami off of it. And that puts my radar up, okay? So Demarcus used to be on the field, worked off-field as an analyst, and worked really, really hard in recruiting. I mean, Coach DVD is a stud in that regard. Uh, But my understanding has been that DeMarcus Van Dyke, he was expecting to get an on-field promotion for next season. He was expecting to get back to working on the field, but that promotion has not materialized for him. And so I worry, and I've been tipped off on this, that maybe he feels a a little bit passed over and frustrated with this, okay? So I'm hoping that him taking Miami out of the Twitter bio is not the first step of him – taking his talents elsewhere because coach DVD, if you're watching this or listening to this, just know, man, you are loved. You are loved and appreciated by me. You are loved and appreciated by our audience. You guys love pumping out the hashtag promote DVD. We want to see this dude get on the field. Uh, Unfortunately, the way things stand right now, there's not really a spot for DeMarcus on the field. Uh, unless Miami were to fire Jamil Adai or him leaving to open up his spot, uh, like DeMarcus, I, he's not going to be coaching defensive ends, which is the job that's open right now that we expect Jason Taylor to fill. There had been some rumors over the past month or so about Jamil Adai, the DB's coach, possibly leaving the staff the way so many other Miami assistants have done over the last couple of months. But That hasn't happened to this point, and so if it hasn't happened now, I'm not expecting it to happen at this point. And we also know that DeMarcus Van Dyke, none of this should come to a huge shock to anyone because we know he's been looking for jobs elsewhere if he can get a promotion somewhere other than Miami. He did interview reportedly for an open coaching position at North Carolina earlier this offseason that he ultimately did not get. He was rumored to be in the mix for the Florida State defensive backs coach's job. I don't know if he ever interviewed for that. That job ultimately went to Pat Sertan. Um, I know that Coach Demarcus Van Dyke, he is a cane through and through. I know he loves Miami. I know he has a passion for that U. And I can tell you, Demarcus Van Dyke would rather be in Miami and at Miami, but he wants to be on the field coaching somewhere, if not here. Because even though DeMarcus loves Miami, he's got that passion for the orange and green, played for the U, um, he also wants to advance his career. And if he doesn't feel like that's happening here, I could completely understand if he were to get an opportunity somewhere else. But, folks, I would absolutely hate to lose DeMarcus Van Dyke because he's not only a great coach, even though 
unfortunately off the field. He's not getting a whole lot of chances to flex those coaching muscles. He's a relentless recruiter and, you know, defensive backs love this guy. He's passionate about Miami. He's been effective on the recruiting trail. So, you know, hopefully there ends up being a happy resolution here for everyone. The DVD can get his position secured at Miami, which would make him happy, would make us very happy. Hopefully there's a good resolution to be had here. But as of now, you know, there are rumblings that DVD is frustrated with the situation and he took Miami out of his Twitter bio, which makes me concerned. So for the Marcus Van Dyke, I will wish him the best of luck, whether that's in Miami or someplace else. I just want DVD to be happy and to be great. And he's such a positive guy as well. So I know he's taken the most positivity out of this situation. Uh, in other Miami coaching related news, this is interesting. Charlie Strong, former Miami linebackers coach, has landed his new gig. He's back on the Alabama Crimson Tide staff, but he's a defensive analyst now. So Charlie Strong left his linebackers coach gig at Miami to go off the field under Nick Saban. Strong has held that exact position in Tuscaloosa before. Uh, 2020, he was a defensive analyst on Alabama staff, and then he got a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but then Urban Meyer was fired, and it was back to square one after that. So Strong, just a few years ago, was an analyst in Alabama. He goes back to that role now. Uh, and the whole the whole situation, folks, is weird, because I know people are looking at this, and they're like, wait, so – you know, this guy was a linebackers coach. Linebackers coach seems like a, even Alabama, obviously, is a powerhouse of a program. But linebackers coach at Miami seems like a better job than defensive analyst at Alabama. Yes. Well, um, one word comes to mind here. Spite. That's the word that comes to mind here. Um, and I don't mean this in any way to disparage Coach Strong because I enjoyed covering him at Miami last season. And I like him a lot. Um, but. Strong was he was very disappointed, upset even that he didn't get an interview to become the defensive coordinator. When that job came open, Kevin Steele left to Bama, Charlie Strong. Um, we had, I mean, we did at least one episode on that thinking, hey, Charlie Strong should be the favorite to be promoted to defensive coordinator. That could be his job to lose. Not only did he not get the job, it went to Lance Gidry, who I really like. I'm happy about that hire. But Charlie Strong didn't get interviewed for the job. I have it on good authority uh, that he was very upset about that. And there were some hard feelings there. I mean, I can also look at it another way. So he didn't get a formal interview with Mario Cristobal. But being on the staff all of last year, maybe that was his interview. Maybe Cristobal saw what he needed to see and said, I need to go a certain direction with my next defensive coordinator, and this is not the direction we need to go in. And also, listen, Charlie Strong in, in his 60s, uh, you know, uh, we talked about how Mario Cristobal, it's not easy to work on his staff. It's very challenging with the sort of hours and the grind that's demanded. If Cristobal's in the office at 4.30 in the morning because the guy doesn't sleep very much, he expects his assistants to be there burning that midnight oil at 4.30 in the morning as well. So, you know, may, may, maybe Strong was doing all of that, okay? Maybe he, maybe if Cristobal was there at 4.30, Strong was already there at 4. I, you know, I, I can't say for sure that he wasn't part of that grind. But, you know, I, I know that he was not happy about getting interviewed for defensive coordinator. So he is, uh, he is taking his analytical talents back to old Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to become a defensive analyst there. And it, it's interesting because 
you know, he wanted to be the defensive coordinator at Miami. And then apparently he wasn't getting defensive coordinator opportunities anywhere else. Maybe next cycle, because it was late in the cycle when he left Miami. So maybe Alabama rehabilitates his career the way Nick Saban has done with so many coaches in the past. The Steve Sarkeesians, the major Apple whites of the world, uh, Lane Kiffin. Maybe he, you know, rehabs that career and then Strong ends up being a defensive coordinator somewhere next year. So that's your coaching blitz for today. When we come back here on Locked on Canes, I'm excited about this, folks. We are just over 48 hours away from the opening at spring football at Miami. Wild horses couldn't keep me away from Green Tree on Saturday. Saturday, Miami opens up spring ball. We are going to lay out my top five storylines and things to watch opening day of spring football. We're going to set the table for a really important spring period. I mean... Miami has to exercise those five and seven demons. And that starts on Saturday. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. I hope you're keeping it locked to FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season has come and gone. It's still the perfect time to download FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to three points drained. My Miami Heat didn't look so good last night. We'll get them next time. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. We will be looking, of course, at Miami versus Pittsburgh in basketball on Saturday. Do not miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, and we are available free on YouTube. Spring football opens this Saturday. Green Tree Practice Fields in Coral Gables, Florida. Here are my top five spring football storylines. Number one. This ties in all the conversations we've been having on today's show and the shows for the last two months. Building chemistry with so many new coaches. That's the number one thing that I'm looking for. Because, guys, it's only been a couple of weeks since new coordinators were hired. Lance Gidry and Shannon Dawson. New linebackers coach Derek Nicholson. Same deal. He's been on the staff for just a few weeks now. The new running backs coach Tim Harris Jr. has been on board for about a week and the new wide receivers coach, Kevin Beard, has been on the job for like eh, less than 24 hours at this point. So spring ball, it's going to give an opportunity for all of these coaches. It's going to give them their first chance to evaluate the roster in person and start to build those practice habits with these players because players don't really know how these coaches like to run things in drills. Coaches don't really know what these players can do. And then on the flip side of that, it gives these coaches a chance to build chemistry with one another. Cause I, I don't know how well Shannon Dawson and Kevin Beard know each other and how well Tim Harris, he probably knows Kevin Beard very well, but I don't know how well Tim Harris knows Shannon Dawson, defensive coaches, same thing. Uh, relationships, relationships will truly start to get built this Saturday at green tree because we have to build that kind of chemistry and rapport. Um, I know that a lot of people will bring up with new coordinators, right? Two new coordinators installing the playbooks. Obviously that's important, but 
I don't worry as much about that practice one, week one, this time of year in spring, because you don't get too advanced with what you're running in practices in the spring games at this stage. But yeah, installation will also be happening, but the urgency for that is not going to ramp up just yet. There's plenty of time to get that stuff installed between now and fall camp. Um, and listen, on coaching and chemistry, I'll emphasize again why this is so important. We heard plenty of rumors last year about the former running backs coach and the former wide receivers coach having relationship problems with their players and some of these coaches having relationship problems with one another, right? Because I don't think the OC and the quarterbacks coach were ever on the same page last year. Stuff like that cannot happen again, right? Like, like starting quarterback Tyler Van Dyke said when he was interviewed earlier this week on ESPN, the only way for this team to succeed is to do it as a family, right? They need to build that family relationship. So that's storyline number one. Number two, I can't wait for this. I mean, as someone who's going to be going out to as many practices as I'm allowed to go out to, evaluating the transfers. Yes, Miami added a handful of players in the portal who most of these guys are going to be candidates to start next season, right? And all of Miami's transfers enrolled early in time for spring, which is great. So I would be shocked if former Alabama guard Javion Cohen and former UCF center Matt Lee aren't both opening day starters on the O-line for this team because both of them, especially Lee, have been crushing the offseason program. I expect Matt Lee to be one of the team leaders this year because that dude just seems to be an alpha like he seems to be that sort of guy that leads by example and kind of leads through his words as well and when you talk about Javion Cohen and Matt Lee they're both experienced offensive linemen multiple year starters and neither of them have been credited with giving up a sack in their careers to this point uh, elsewhere linebacker Francisco Maui Goa comes over from Washington State based on the footage that I watched of him uh, playing at Wazoo this guy looks good enough to be a potential starter next year at linebacker. I could see him starting alongside Wes Besaint. So I guess the question would be, can Maui Goa actually take Corey Flagg's job? Because Flagg has, you know, always been, you know, he's always been just consistent enough and good enough to keep that job. Now, Charlie Strong and Kevin Steele, uh, they really loved Corey Flagg. Maybe a new defensive coordinator, new linebackers coach, you know, might uh, might feel differently and they may feel more strongly about Maui Goa. I think both guys, we get their reps either way. Um, I'm intrigued by both of the new defensive tackles, Branson Dean, Thomas Gore. I mean, Gore especially jumps off the page and he intrigues me because he was playing outside the power five last year at Georgia state. So, you know, he was facing lesser competition for the most part, but he did play well against North Carolina, for example, and this guy was extremely disruptive at the line of scrimmage at Georgia State. Great range. He's undersized, though. I think he's like around six foot. So he's undersized at, uh, at defensive tackle, uh, 275. But I'm really excited to see what this dude can do. And defensive backs, Terry Roberts, graduate transfer cornerback from Iowa. Um, I, you know, when I first caught wind of him months ago, being interested in Miami. I think I underestimated Terry Roberts, but the more digging and research and the more I watched of him, this guy I think can definitely compete for a starting job and for significant snaps. And then Devontae Brown, transfer from UCF, older brother of Damari Brown, uh, same deal. I think he could potentially walk right into the starting lineup in one of those two starting corner spots. So 
there's a lot of talent. I know Miami didn't bring in like quite as many players or as many big names as Florida State brought in in the transfer portal because Florida State crushed it in the portal. But Miami brought in some guys who can start or at least compete to start, and I love that. Storyline number three, I'm going to be looking closely throughout the spring at quarterback development. Yeah, it's Tyler Van Dyke's team, but let's not forget the TVD. He missed significant time with injury last year. So will Miami's season be ruined if Van Dyke, God forbid, has to miss any time this year? I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but and I like the fact that Shannon Dawson is both the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach because that'll mean this year, unlike last year, the game planning and play calling is going to be in sync with the quarterbacks because you got the same guy handling all of that, all right? Now, Shannon Dawson, he's had success with mobile quarterbacks, so I look forward to seeing what he can do for Jakari Brown's development because, you know, Jakari, uh, so fast, so athletic, so much potential. He's got a strong arm. He just has to harness that, and he's got to develop the accuracy and the timing. Uh, and, you know, the whole re reading defenses and everything is what Jakari Brown has to work on. And then Emery Williams, like uh, new faces are always exciting. I want to see how the true freshman Emery Williams can look as well. Uh, and, you know, for Van Dyke, I know that I say, hey, it's Van Dyke's team. He's the starter. It seems like he's the shoe in to be the starter this year. But then at the same time, Van Dyke has to bounce back. He had a down year last year. You know, it looked like he was finally starting to get it a little bit, and then he got injured, but he was not very good for the first three, four games of the year. It was up until the North Carolina game was when it started to click for Van Dyke, but the first handful of games last season, Van Dyke was not playing very well, so he's still got a lot to prove, I think, and uh, he's capable because we saw how good TVD was in 2021. He's got to bring that form back. Two more storylines when we come back, including – the position group that has been uh, one of the big hot button topics for Miami supporters going back to last year. What needs to happen in that wide receiver room? Yeah, we're going to cover that and more when we come back here on Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. There's so many great shows on the network. You want to check out Locked on College Basketball. Andy Patton and Isaac Shade do a great job, especially with Miami, the Hurricanes basketball team. You beat Pittsburgh on Saturday. Canes win the ACC championship. And Pitt got clowned by Notre Dame, so they're going to be looking to bounce back in a big way on Saturday. So that's a huge game, and I know Andy and Isaac will be talking about that. So make sure you make Locked On College Basketball your second listen, much like us. They are available free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So Going back to spring football storylines, we gave you our top three already. Building chemistry with new coaches, evaluating the transfer players, quarterback development. So let's get to number four. Um, so closely, when I'm out at practices this spring, I'm going to be watching the wide receiver reps and the wide receiver drills. This is a position group that in two out of three spots does not have clear starters. There's a lot wide open at wide receiver. Now, Xavier Restrepo should have the slot position locked down, but on the outside, your guess is as good as mine. And I'm going to be watching receivers so closely because, you know, last spring in fall camp, I was watching the wide receivers, and there wasn't a whole lot to be happy about last year. And we saw that, of course, manifest itself on game days because last spring in fall camp, all that we were talking about were dropped balls. 
dropped passes left and right. Nobody in that receiving core outside of Restrepo was catching anything consistently this time of year last year. So Kevin Beard, you need to coach these young men up. And I know he wants to do that. So I want to see true competition. And I want to see these guys flashing between Frank Ladson, Jacoby George, Colby Young, Michael Redding, Isaiah Horton competing for two outside spots. And even with Xavier Restrepo, even with him, more than likely holding it down at the slot because I can't see anyone beating him out for that starting job. Miami's got so much talent there. Like, they're really deep at slot receiver. Brashard Smith, who's been around for a couple of years, and then you've got the true freshman sensations coming in, Ray Ray Joseph and Robbie Washington. So I believe both Ray Ray and Robbie, uh, they uh, I, th- I think they're both early enrollees, and I believe they can both contribute year one. So you're going to have to find a way to get some of these guys on the field at the same time as Restrepo. So I can't wait to see what sort of offensive experimentation. Now, as far as experimentation goes, you're not going to see much of that in the spring. Spring football is going to be very vanilla, right? So they're not going to be like throwing out the Statue of Liberty Liberty plays in in March and April. Uh, But still, I want to see reps from all of these receivers because you have a lot of talent on the slot. And also, you know, Chris Johnson, he's a running back, but he played receiver as well in high school. He can be lined up outside uh, as a receiver he can give Shannon Dawson another gadget player to work with so there's a lot of good stuff that he can work with in that offense so that's number four wide receivers because that position was inconsistent in practice last year and that translated to the games we cannot have that happen again but I do believe there's a lot of talent in that room a lot of unreached potential Uh, let's get to storyline number five so not only is this going to be about um, the current orange and green wearers on that field, the current Miami Hurricanes. But there's so much going on with the future as well because Saturday, opening day for spring ball, that's also a huge recruiting day. Miami's hosting some of the top high school juniors, almost 30 of them, and about a dozen sophomores for what they call junior day. Uh, There's a ton of players on this list, but here are the four stars and five stars that are expected, according to Gabby Yerudia at Inside the U. Five-star edge rusher Elijah Rushing, who truly has a national recruitment, so it's great that Miami can get him down here. Uh, Four-star offensive lineman Brandon Baker, one of the best offensive tackles in the class. This is a guy that I hope Miami can land, and of course Cristobal and Mirabal have had great success at Oregon and Miami recruiting offensive linemen. Athlete Makai Danzi will be here. Defensive lineman Aiden Breland and T.A. Cunningham will be here. Another four-star player that I'm very intrigued by, uh, a safety, Brandon Jacob. We haven't talked about Brandon Jacob on the show yet. I like him a lot. He's out of Evans High School in Orlando, so he's an in-state kid, but not a South Florida kid. Uh, what intrigues me about this player at the safety position is the length, six foot two. He's only around 170, 175 at this point. I'm sure he'll add weight, but... Six foot two playing safety. He's tall, he's long, and he's a ball hawk. This guy at Evans High School last year had five interceptions and he returned two of those for touchdowns. And hey, Miami badly needs safeties. Class of 2024, you've got to get a couple safeties because you whiffed on safeties in 2023. So you have to be appealing to players like this, right? We were hoping for guys like Conrad Hussey and Jaden Bonsu in this past cycle. You, you whiffed on unfortunately, because Miami had a very good recruiting class, but safety was not a strength in that class. So you've got to do better in 2024. And, you know, 
there are certain other players uh, like Chance Robinson, the four-star wide receiver, Air Nolan, the four-star quarterback, who previously appeared on this list as guys who would come for junior day. But I think what's going on is, and I'm fine with this, is some of these priority targets, Miami has been able to reschedule their visits. I know for a fact this happened with Air Nolan because he said it. Miami's been able to reschedule some of these visits for a later date so that they can give these players more one-on-one attention because junior day, it's going to have more of like a party gathering, big gathering type of feel. Cause there's going to be, you know, a few dozen prospects here on junior day. So you're not going to get that sort of intimate time. So for priority targets, like chance Robinson and air Noland, and, you know, hopefully Miami can get, you know, Jeremiah Smith in and Jojo Trader in for visits soon. For players like that, if you're able to, you'd rather have them come on a less busy recruiting weekend so you can give them uh, just a more organized pitch and more attention. So I think it's okay that some of these players that were supposed to come this weekend are going to be coming at a later date instead. I think that's a very, very good thing. So those are your five uh, storylines, top storylines heading into spring football. Got a couple of questions and comments from our listeners that I wanted to answer here. Uh, Roy Pinto says on Twitter, you can, by the way, follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes, and we will follow you back. Roy says, I'm so excited for this year for multiple reasons. The new staff, if they can bond and get the players to buy in, the dogs who came in in this class, I see so many of them contributing and finally getting uh, rid of that ugly year last year. Um, yeah, I wide receiver to me, I'm going to keep going back to that since Kevin Beard was just hired yesterday, okay? The opportunity that KB has not only to coach up the current talent, which was, I believe, lacking last year, but um, you notice when Kevin Beard reportedly took the job at Miami yesterday, you saw recruits, dozens of them, I think, recruits tweeting about how much they love KB. I mean, this this is going to have a recruiting impact at Miami. Like, He's already got some pressure here. Like Kevin Beard has been on the job for a, a less than a day, and he's already got pressure to get those five stars like Jeremiah Smith and JoJo Trader here because Miami has missed on, especially the local kids, Miami has missed on way too many of these top local kids in recent years. Uh, get a question from Chalupa Batman, who says, all right, Locked on Canes, it's time for the hard-hitting questions. What's your favorite Canes uniform of all time? Jalupa, here's what I'll say. My favorite Canes uniforms of all time are the ones that they won national championships wearing. That's all I care about, man. That's all I care about. First of all, I'm almost 40, so I'm, I'm too old to be where occasionally I wear one on the podcast, but I'm too old to be wearing jerseys around. I'm just, I'm, I'm past that phase in my life. Um, and listen, no matter how, great or how ugly your gear looks it looks a lot better when you're hoisting a national championship trophy so you know the simple uniforms that they wore in the 80s and 90s that class and the classic look classics always age well right like sometimes i wear my uh my jim kelly throwback which is the classic 1980s nike pretty clean orange nike uh you know it's got like the the green and white stripes on the sleeve it's simple as simple can be just beautiful beautiful jersey right i also because they won a championship in them you know the ones that were not as simple the 2001 jerseys those hold a special place in my heart 
And I thought that those Nike jerseys 2001, those looked really modern at that time. But then looking back on them did not age as well as the classic look. So I will always take the classics, but they can wear they can wear whatever they want to. Uh, they, they can wear like uh, they can wear beekeeper suits if they want to. If they're winning national championships, I will not care. So huge shout out to everybody who took time out of your day to listen and to watch. Remember, if you can take some time, leave us a five star rating and review on apple Podcasts and spotify and if you're watching this on youtube make sure to smash the like button hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to our channel and we will talk to you again next time on another episode of locked on canes part of the awesome locked on podcast network your team every day